Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again with another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. With me as always, my co-host Mike Davis. Hey buddy. And we got Matthew Dillner. What's up? How's it going? We got a great show. Zip Recruiter is back. <laughs> I believe that, yeah. <laughs> we got some Ask Jr. questions. We'll obviously talk about Michigan a little bit. We had a pretty full weekend. And we got Texas Terry Labonte. Texas Terry Labonte. That's our guest today. Love it. Red. Good job. It's some memories in that intro, yeah. huh? We're going to get right to it. Yes. Terry Labonte. How's it going? Man, what an honor to have you here. Man, nice to be here. Yeah, yeah good to I'm, see you. You too, man. So uh, what brings you to this part of the neighborhood? Well, I don't know. I got invited to come up here. Yeah. I said, man, I, oh, yeah. we I can't pass this up. Texas, man. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, for real, like, uh, where you where you been up to? Where you been spending oh, most man. Of your time? No, I spend most of my time in North Carolina. Right. Yeah, so... Uh, in the uh, High Point Archdale area yep. down there, and we've got a, a business over there, so I stay pretty busy doing that. And what's uh, the business? Well, we're in a kind of experiential marketing company, and we do a lot of different things. Uh, involved in some IndyCar stuff ah. uh, with Schmidt Peterson Motorsports, uh, and Arrow is the sponsor. We do a big hospitality tent for those guys, so we go to several uh, IndyCar races. You yourself uh, go? I'm going to go to uh, Sonoma be my next one. So, nice. uh, yeah, yeah, I've been to a couple of them. So, What do people say when they see you at an IndyCar race? Uh, they was like, uh, <laughs> I know you. <laughs> yeah. from, not from here, though. Yeah. So. <laughs> you lost? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anyway, it's, it's fun. So, yeah. we do probably 2,000 events a year, our company Golly. there. So, we're pretty busy. 2,000, yeah. Yeah. Do a lot of, got a lot of stuff going on. So, yeah. it's like a real job. That's I know, right? kind of what <laughs> really planning on this, but it's uh, it's okay. That's awesome, man. That sounds good. I I mean, everybody, I think when any of the time our legends and and the guys we we idolize uh, retire, not a lot of them, not everybody kind of sticks around, you know, like you, you kind of go off and and do your own thing and get involved in something completely different. And we really don't, you know, everybody's always curious. I had people ask me this weekend during the race what Carl Edwards was up to. So I just sent him a text. I said, hey, bud, how you doing? (laughs) Uh, And so we had a little conversation, but. We're always thinking about you, always wondering what you've been up to. So I'm glad you're on the show. We finally get to ask you a lot of questions. I've been, Good, I've been thanks. dying to yeah, ask yeah, you. Yeah, Terry, I, I'm going to tell you something. We got questions. I mean, <laughs> real, I tell real you questions. I got, we got questions. <laughs> it, it's, it might not just be a coincidence that Bristol's this week and you're here in our studio because you won a couple races at Bristol, but you also kind of famously lost one 19 years ago today. I don't know if you know this, but he didn't mean to wreck you. He just meant to rattle right your cage. cage. That's all he meant to do. <laughs> just in case you're still upset about it, you don't need to be because he yeah. didn't mean to wreck you. But we do got questions. Dale's been wanting to ask you a lot of things, so we are glad okay. you're here. I'm yeah, glad I'm here, yeah. I want to go all the way back to 1984. So okay. I was 10 years old, but I still remember it. I don't know why this stuck with me even at that age, but you're you guys winning that championship in 1984 that was a yeah. bit of a I, I mean it was I, a little bit of an upset a little bit oh, of an yeah. upset yeah yeah so yeah. I, I didn't know how to 
describe it, but that's, I felt like, I remember going to Bristol as a little kid, even at 10 years old, and I'm like, who is this? Bleeding the points. Yeah. You were leading the points pretty right, much right. all season. We were right there at the top of the points right. all year. We started out Daytona strong, won the race at Riverside. I yeah. think we took the point lead in July or June or July, probably June, I guess, and, and with the win at Riverside. And then uh, we won Bristol later in the year and just had a, a, a great year. Uh, Dale Inman was our crew chief. Mm. Uh, he joined our team in 1983. And then, you know, it took us a little while to get everything, you know, kind of going the right direction. And then 84, we just came out strong, man. Your, your owner was who? Billy, Billy Hagen. Hagen right? yep. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. That was the race. We, I was at that Bristol race. It was the Bristol night do, race. Do you remember your dad spun me yes. out? Yes. He spun me out in that race, too. God, it, what is yeah. this deal yeah. with you and I was passing him for the lead. <laughs> 1984, <laughs> I, was, I was passing for the lead. And he spun me out. And I went, okay. So, <laughs> anyway, we, we came back and we won the race. Yeah. But uh, Dad spun out on the front straightaway somehow. I don't know. He was he was leading, too. I remember watching him spin on the front straightaway out of nowhere. And that Bristol night races back then were Oh, they were exciting. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. just hard. You can't More so explain now, it to huh? you. Oh, the real oh they were too. awesome. It was the real freaking deal. Yep. And I remember that night, like after he wins the race, I think it set in on everyone at the track, everyone, everyone in the industry. Like, they're for real. They're not going to screw this up. Like, they got a real shot at winning this championship. And so, that I, I just kind of always want we talk, you know, We talk about your uh, Hendrick Motorsports yep. days, and a lot of people remember you from there, but that was an incredible season. It really was. And I remember going to Riverside for the last race of the year, and, uh, and we won the pole for the race. And I was running the race there, and it was Bobby Allison – Tim Richmond, Jeff Bodine, and me, and we were kind of all running at the end. And I remember Dale Edmund coming on the radio. It's about 10 to go. And he said, and we were kind of racing for the lead there. I mean, you know, running hard. And Dale says, uh, okay, Terry, uh, it's 10 to go. And he's and uh, Harry's running seventh or eighth. And Harry Gantz, who I was racing for the championship. So he didn't tell me just to back off and take it easy, but he was trying to tell me to back off and take it easy, you know. <laughs> and so uh, – I did, so I, we, I think we finished, we might have, I can't remember, we might have third or fourth in the race or something, and we won the championship, but yeah. uh, it was uh, it was a great season. I yeah. mean, it was just incredible. Our cars were awesome. Yep. So. You were always, uh, I think, probably maybe one of the first great road course racers that we had in the Xfinity, or in the Cup Series. Like, we didn't, we had ringers come in, but then you had Rusty and Ricky Rudd, but all throughout your career, you always really did stand out at the road courses. You, I remember... Not long ago, you took the '96 car that, uh, oh, yeah, 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 and ran second or third it, at it, Sonoma. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of a like a one-off deal. Like you just you're like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but you always did have a knack for running the road courses. How did that? How did you get that kind of experience and talent from there? You know, I they had a, a short track race. Uh, well, it wasn't really a short track race. They had a race at Texas uh, World Speedway, and it was on the road course, and it was for guys with with short track cars really? so okay. we went up there with our camaro you know i'd never run on a road course or nothing and this friend of mine took me around the racetrack in the pace car and he showed me how to he was a road racer and he showed me how to do it he says what you need to do and you know i'm like okay and so we ended up we did pretty good and it's and uh and so that was my first time i'd run a road course and then uh you know of course went to riverside uh and i went out there to the bob bondrant school yeah and had uh 
a guy named Bill Cooper with yes. Monster. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. So in '98, I'm getting ready to go racing the Xfinity Series and run a uh, road course at Watkins Glen. I went to Bondurant in Phoenix, and Bill Cooper was yep. my. Yep. And dude, I'm telling you, hands on with Bill Cooper, you're going to be a road course specialist yep. when yep. you're done. First time that we we were at Sonoma. Okay, uh, that's where we went to the Bondurant School. Was at Sonoma, and so Billy Hagen, who uh, he had some sports cars in. And ran the 24 hours of Daytona and 12 hours of Sebring, stuff like that. Uh, so he went too. So we had these little uh, Nissan 240Zs or something. So we go around the track there. And, and so we followed Bill around the track. And so then he said, okay, go out there and run. So I went out and ran, and he was had my lap times. So he gets in my car, the car I just got out oh, of. Oh, gosh. He gets in my car, and he goes out there and he runs like <laughs> – Three seconds faster. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm clocking him. And he said, write down my lap times. I didn't write down the right time. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so he comes back in. He looks at it. And uh, he said, I didn't run no faster than that. I said, no. And I was just messing with him, you know. But So the, I was there for like three days. So finally the last day when I left, him and I, man, we were we could run together, you know. How much faster was he in real life? Do you think? Like he, he oh, paper, he was two seconds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he yeah. was really two seconds faster. Man, that yeah, was awesome. So this Bill Cooper was he just an instructor? I mean, he was an instructor. Did he yeah. ever race? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. he did race. He yeah. was a road racer. Yeah. Yeah. Very okay. good. Yeah. I just didn't realize, you know, like thinking about that too, uh, how good of a road racer you were in NASCAR. You won like your class in like '84 right. uh, with the t- uh, 12 hours of Sebring and 24, yeah, 24 hours yeah. of Daytona, yeah. which a lot of people in NASCAR don't realize yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was like fun for three or four hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long race, twenty-four yeah. hours. So. <laughs> you ran the twenty-four hours. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Yep, sure did. Won our class, and I think we finished. I can't remember fourth or sixth overall or something. What class were you in? Do you G- remember? It was GTO. GTO it was yeah. a Camaro. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, Mike touched on some of the um, some of the finishes you had at Bristol. Obviously, Dad was involved in in several of those. You and him had a pretty good relationship. Throughout y'all's careers, I thought y'all were pretty good pals. Y'all hunted together. Yep. I think y'all even hunted together right around those Bristol races that were. We didn't go that one after that one race. We oh, didn't go. The trip go? got called off. Yeah, he decided he didn't want to go. <laughs> we were going to my place in Texas, and he said, no, nah, I don't think so. He didn't want to be around <laughs> really? you and guns. Y'all had a trip scheduled for after we, that Bristol We race. had really talked about We had talked about it, you know, but not. we didn't really have anything officially, yeah. you know, scheduled. <laughs> now, are we talking about the, the time he wrecked you in 99, or are we talking about the one the time he wrecked you in 95? Because you won the one in 95. Yeah. He, he I wasn't too you mad about it. He sent you packing in 95, but he sent you packing across the finish line. Yeah, I wasn't too mad yeah, about he that. He helped one. you. <laughs> <laughs> he just eased you across there. So he canceled, a, so he canceled the trip. I would have well, thought we you would have canceled it in 99. Well, we just. That is we probably best not to be we together. We just didn't go. Yeah. We just <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Forget it. <laughs> now, let me ask you. Like we said, he mentioned something about the rattleless cage. Like, and I was looking at that the other day, you know, prepping, knowing you were coming, watching that interview. Back then, did you believe him? Be honest. Yeah, you can be honest. Uh, that he didn't mean to wreck you, but he meant to rattle your cage. You know, I told somebody that, and he looked at me and he said, you're the only person that believes that. <laughs> 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 well, but I, I will tell you the whole story, though. Uh, I was sitting there wrecked on the back straightaway, and my car was nose in the wall, and I thought, dang. So I put it in reverse. I had it running, and I seen him coming down the back straightaway here, and I thought, all right. That number three is going to Victor Lane, but this number five is going to be stuck in the side of it when he comes by. <laughs> and I had it time perfect. I mean, I had it time perfect. And I sat there, and I 
popped the clutch, and that car moved about a half inch and tore reverse gear out. Oh, oh no! It didn't move. Oh. It, it just kind of let all the let all the oh you were going to get it. That would have been oh, yeah. iconic. Oh, I know it. And <laughs> so I just oh well got out and just walked to my transporter, but. Uh, <laughs> That's wow. how it ended. So it's probably a good thing the reverse gear tore out of the car. Yeah. But uh, did, well, so if you if you guys didn't go on it, when do you when do you go back and talk to Dale Earnhardt about a situation or an incident that happened? Like, does it do you give it a week? Does it two weeks? Y'all are buddies, so that's yeah. got to come into it. Right? Well, we I don't know. We just kind of I don't know. We just got over it. But uh, it was funny. The next weekend we were at the at Darlington, and we seemed like we started like seventh or eighth i mean we started right close to each yeah, other of course. So that's, dri- how it always that's always how it works you know we're driver introduction we, so we kind of both walk up there about the same time and john hendretti's standing there and he looks at me and he looks at dale and he says i'm in the wrong place <laughs> 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 but uh and that kind of i think that kind of broke the ice yeah, right there yeah. you know so just racing one of those deals made some cool highlights and uh what do you, i wouldn't trade it for anything what do you so. remember about you know, maybe what do you remember about your relationship with dad or even even other drivers in the 80s? Like, when, yeah. you, were, when you were trying to really kind of get, get some traction and you're winning that first championship, what was it like hanging out with all those guys? You, you know, you really didn't hang out that much with, with the other guys, yeah. you know, and of course, a lot of the guys were kind of older than I was, too, you know, um, that you're racing against. But, but you didn't really hang out that much with, with anybody. Um, you know, your dad and I would go fishing and hunting some, and uh, we made a couple of trips out to uh, New Mexico elk hunting went down to the bahamas fishing and things like that so you saw him at the racetrack all the time yeah so it's not like you spent a lot of extra time hanging out with him mm-hmm. what about your brother bobby did you do you spend a lot of time with him when y'all were racing together oh we did yeah we always parked our motorhomes beside each other and you know we were always pretty close we we're actually two of the brothers in racing that actually liked each other <laughs> you know so uh, how rare so yeah. yeah we got along good <laughs> yeah and uh, he was fun to hang out with and so and we st- i still talk to him all the time you know he stays he stays busy doing What's stuff Oh, he's uh, he's been overseas he's running been, the Euro, yeah, yeah. Euro, Euro series. series. He ran the full season this year, yeah. So he would travel back and forth, yeah. Wow. And and yeah, well, I t- I told him I said, man, you are getting to travel the world, yeah. And you know, have have a little fun, race at cool places, zero yeah. expectations, just yeah. going and cruising. Oh, he'd send me some pictures, and uh, they had champagne and stuff in the transporter, drinking <laughs> champagne. I, I said. Did y'all, did y'all run good today? And he said, no. <laughs> he said, we have champagne every day. I said, okay. Well, cool. Wow. I know. That sounds like an incredible opportunity. I was real happy for him to. So do y'all still get together on family reunions? Is, uh, oh, yeah. Is oh, Christmas yeah. big with the Labonis? Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving, yeah. Get yeah. everybody together. Do y'all travel back to Texas, see any family there? Or? No. We uh, used to do that all the time. And uh, used to, we'd go to my ranch for Thanksgiving. Yeah. But we've got grandkids now, and they're too small. And it's just not a kid-friendly yeah. place, so yeah. we don't. Uh, last time we did that, I said we're not doing that no more. <laughs> but uh, we'll kind of sp- we might split up a little bit for Thanksgiving, but we'll all be together for Christmas, you know, here in North Carolina. Oh, okay, so, cool. Yeah. You know, one of the coolest things, it, just as you're talking, I, I I remember where I believe Bobby won the race. You won the championship of the yeah, second Atlanta. championship, Atlanta. Yep, yep. What a cool moment to have, just in, in a coincidence, to have Bobby win the race. Uh, did, if I'm remembering this correctly, y'all even did yeah, a victory that's right. lap together. That's right, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't script those things. No, I know it. No, no. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was really incredible. And uh, I remember going there, and I think Bobby won the the pole, and I think I qualified third. Jeff Gordon was second, and I was racing Gordon for the championship. So I talked to Bobby the night before. I said, man, I need need to lead this race, you know. And, uh, of course, Bobby, he just dominated Atlanta back then. Yeah, he did. And uh, so he said, okay. So we started off, and I 
front of second. He motioned me by, let me lead a couple of laps there, and he nice. passed me back. So yep. I got my five points, but uh, <laughs> ended up uh, – he won the race, and we won the championship. Yeah, so That was, was a cool moment. It was really awesome, yeah. Boy, you guys have mentioned some racetracks between Riverside and Atlanta, uh, you know, thinking old Atlanta. Yeah, that, that was that, – that, I love the old Atlanta. Yeah, I never got to run oh, that. Oh, God, it was – I loved it. Yeah. The old land was cool. I've feel. heard some little rumors that they are, they're thinking uh, when they repave it that they may consider changing configuration. And I told them, I said, man, if you ever go back to the original, Uh-oh. that would be amazing. We got a yeah. couple guys going to come out of retirement uh, for a race or something? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'd no. have to go Drink play. some champagne go, like Bobby. <laughs> go, go for an Xfinity test and hop in for a few laps. Right. <laughs> Maybe that. after about 10 years, when the asphalt really ages out. Yeah. Not that first year. You know, what is it about the 80s NASCAR and 90s NASCAR that you think we're missing the most right now? Because like, we Good look question. back at those times of such fond memories. Is it the racetracks? Is it the competition? What was it about 80s NASCAR, 90s NASCAR that just I wish we had back? What do you think? Gosh, I don't know. You know, and, uh, it, it's hard to say. I mean, if you look at the racing today, it's really it's good. Great. It's good racing. Yeah, it is. You know, and uh, I think the thing that people have lost is the fact that you don't have sponsors today like you used to have back then. Like your dad was Mr. Goodwrench, you know. Yeah. He was GM Goodwrench car. I was the, the Kellogg's car. Yeah. Yeah. Rusty yeah. was yeah. the Miller okay. car. You know what I mean? And you had everybody was really identified with, with those cars. And those sponsors did really good jobs promoting, you know, their teams and their drivers and advertising and everything like that. And I think now when you go and you've got a guy that's got like 10 different sponsors for the year, yeah. I really think the fans lose some of that. You know, can't they, they can't, exactly. So they go to the racetrack and it's like, oh, what, what car is my guy driving this week? You know? Right. So I think our sport has hurt some from uh, from those changes. Yeah. So. That's a good point. Yeah. And it, like, you know, the you red said, bud car was, I was what just he say, drove. Exactly. It used to drive me crazy because I would tell Budweiser, like, man, I really just want to drive the, a Bud Light car one time. Or can we change up and have like a special paint scheme for this race or that race? And they're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> No, we got to be red. We got to be a red eight car. That's that's right, and I'm with them yeah. on that. And you, Piedmont Airlines, Kellogg's. Yeah. Dude, the Piedmont I mean, Airlines car that, was that, 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 that was you, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You 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 drank, uh, wrote uh, when you retired. I thought about this. I think we had that. You had that special paint scheme yeah. at Talladega, yeah. uh, and I got to interview Uh-oh. you about Uh-oh. it. But and then I was thinking, like you're you were one of the last guys, competitive guys, to race against Pearson. Yeah, and Petty, you know, and yeah. bridge that generational gap that yeah. was even, you know, span across, you know, with with all these different careers. Um, you saw the sport change so much in that time. You ever reflect back on and what you've seen and, and the the changes that the sport happened, and wish you could get back to a specific <laughs> thing within the sport? You know, I I just feel fortunate that I was able to race during the time I raced. You know, okay. and I got to really to race against those guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, Richard Petty and Cale Yarbrough, David Pearson, Bobby Allison, you know, all those guys. And then I got to race against Tony Stewart, Dale Jr., yeah. you know, and Dale Jeff. Sr. and Jeff and Jimmy and and uh, Harvick. You know, some of the guys that are stars today. But uh, kind of the span I had was just, a, I think, a great time in our sport. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I asked, asked Mark Martin what, what he thought the best, uh, the funnest cars to drive in his, his era, and he said huh. maybe the early to mid-80s was probably the funnest as far as how the cars drove. Do you have a particular? You know, I, I like my 96 car. Your 96 yeah. car. <laughs> that one drove pretty good. Yeah. But, uh, were we still on bias ply? What, what year did we go well, to? We went to radials in 89. 89, yeah. so yeah, so yeah. You'd prefer that over those bias fly, that kind of The bias flies were, they were good. They were fun. I mean, yeah. it was like, 
the car was sideways, but it didn't really feel that sideways, you know. And you know, you'd you'd see some of the old tapes of some of the races and guys smoking the right rear right. tire, you know. And yeah, and uh, they were it was fun. They were fun. The radial tires were uh, took a little while to get used to them and for them to get them dialed in at every place. But uh, you know, I, I didn't have as many tire issues with the radial tires as they did the other tires. You know, guys wouldn't come in and say I had a bad set of tires. Yeah. Well, a bad set of tires meant that you started that with a three quarters inch stagger and it's inch and a half now you know the right rear got hot and grew and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that but the radials didn't really change that much dale jr i'm curious you know you talk about noticing terry in 84 when you would just go watch the race but when did you actually know terry was it when you got the cup did you i mean when did you guys get to oh, know yeah. each other uh i never i mean terry's pretty quiet and i'm pretty quiet i'm real uh shy especially around you know the veterans the guys that were older than me um, the guys that were my dad's age and so forth, I kind of, you know, just kept my mouth shut. But do you remember going out to eat at New York? No. Well, there was a couple times, we, but we went to eat <laughs> up in New York City. We're up there for the banquet, and uh, Dale had these reservations at this fancy restaurant. You can't even read the menu; it was so fancy, yeah. you know. <laughs> and so Kim and I and Dale and Teresa and you were there, and so we we're sitting there eating at this restaurant. And I remember Dale Jr., he was just sitting there. He didn't say nothing. He just sat there the whole time. And uh, your dad asked you about something. He said, I wish we could have gone to Burger King, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that was really the first time I'd been around him, I think. Yeah. And you weren't very old, you know. Oh, yeah. 10, 12 years old, I guess. The two things that stand out to me about knowing or talking or seeing Terry for the first time, um, of course, I'd watch him race forever. But I remember going to St. Louis in 1997 to race in Xfinity Series and pulled out on pit road for practice and saw his car. You know, it wasn't a big deal to see the Xfinity regulars. You know, I was going to the race to see them and knew I was going to race against Elliott Sadler and whoever else. But when you'd see a cup guy, you'd be like, oh, my goodness. You know, <laughs> and you were there. And it was St. Louis, which wasn't a companion event. Right. And yeah. so, it remember, it was hotter. Oh, that was the hottest place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so... uh that tripped me out. I remember pulling on pit road, and that was sort of like a light bulb goes off where, like, oh, this is the real deal, serious, big time. This ain't late models at Myrtle Beach no more. And then after Dad passed away, I was still wearing an open-face helmet. I wasn't wearing any of the head restraint stuff, and uh, Dad was pretty hard-headed about all that stuff, and so was I. So I was going to be whatever Dad was. If he was hard, if he didn't like something, I didn't like it, that kind of thing. I think most sons are that way. And... It was Friday night in the bus lot, and Schrader came over to my bus and said, hey, come here. I want you to come sit in this bus with me and uh, talk to the guys. I'm like, who? He's like, just come on. So I go in there, and it's him and Terry, and I think Rusty was in there. It was a handful, about five or six of the of the, the dudes, you know, the real dudes. Yeah. And uh, I sat next to Terry. He's like, sit uh you know, traders like you sit think down. You're in trouble at this point. I don't know what's going. On. <laughs> They're just in there hamming it up, talking, doing talking. I don't know. Stuff goes on. You know, I'm just sitting in my bus, you know, playing video games. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I'm oblivious, and they're all hanging out. Right? It's a road course, Watson's Glen. The guys kind of, you know, enjoy those weekends and didn't take them quite as, you know, literal as most race weekends. And uh, I sat down on the couch next to Terry, and I ain't said a word to Terry in my life. As far as I know, you know, unless he asked me something. But he looked at me and he said, hey, you need to start wearing one of them head restraints. And I was like, I do? He goes, yeah, we want you to be around for a while. Mm. And I was like, wow. I I mean, I wasn't there there another 15 minutes. (laughs) And I went out that night 
got up the next day and I went and talked to Tony Jr. and Tony Sr. I said, I'm going to get me one of the Hutchins devices. That's the first one. I didn't wear the Hans one first, so I wore the Hutchins device. Yep. I said, I'm going to start wearing one. And they were like, why? I was like, Terry Light said I should wear one, so I'm wearing one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if Terry says to do it, I'm doing it. Wow. And those are the two moments that I remember the most. That, we, that and the full face helmet. Yes. Yep. Yep. He said, get, get in a full face. All it took was Terry Labonte to tell you that. Huh? I mean, you know, sometimes you, you sometimes you can't. You're not clever enough to do that stuff on your own, or or you get a little hard headed about things. And and when somebody re- you respect says, "Hey, this yeah. is what you need to be doing." Yeah. So that was great. Terry Terry doing that helped meant a lot to me. Meant you know that the guys cared and the guys looked after you. I think they looked after all the drivers like that, all the younger guys, and probably gave them tons of advice. So do you remember that, neat. Terry? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you, so this is co- oh yeah he'd never like we'd never talked and he had never said anything to me before to that that day I mean I don't I knew if he's as hard headed like his dad yeah that he wasn't <laughs> he gonna, was gonna have to take somebody had to tell him yeah yeah I wonder what the but, conversation was like before he came in we're like all right look who's gonna who's <laughs> telling this guy that that he's an idiot and that he needs to wear a uh, like Terry's guy like, all right you you drew the <laughs> short straws you had to remember. deliver the message <laughs> I don't even know man but it was funny boy. That's what we miss. We miss the old guard like Schrader, and yeah. and, and 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 you know like the, the the guys that you just said were in that room or in that bus right there. That's what we miss. We miss those personalities. Oh boy! My yeah. gosh, Schrader wasn't a person. Schrader <laughs> was a person. <laughs> I remember going to Richmond one time, and I took some got some of that yellow police tape and put it around my motorhome to keep Schrader out. So <laughs> <laughs> don't 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 come in here. That's funny. <laughs> my goodness. Uh. Let me let me ask you something. You know, while we got got you here, I was looking uh, the other day through a bunch of old stuff, and and I saw uh, uh, you've always been a humble guy. You're kind of known as that you know quiet champion, you know, and and humble nature. You know, and then I looked at that 1980 interview when you won the Southern 500 and you nipped uh, uh, Pearson yeah, across yeah, the line yeah. there, and it just seemed like you were like kind of uncomfortable with you know the f- you know fame. Or uh, did you ever get comfortable with the fame of being a race car driver? Oh, I guess uh, I never really thought about it, you know. I mean, you don't really think about the fame and being famous or anything like that. I just, you are who you are, you know. But you just beat David Pearson. That, 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 that was your first win, right? That was my first win, yeah. yeah. Your first, first win overall, your, yeah. Your first and last win, at both Darlington. Southern 500s at Darlington. Yep. Oh, I didn't a, realize that. I remember yep. the last one because I was in between him and third place. I was a lap down. I broke a, uh, spun and uh, stripped an axle, and I had a pretty good car. We had a late restart, and I lined up on the inside and jumped in behind him and was running my tail. I had my tongue hanging out trying to just <laughs> keep know, up with ah, it. You know, <laughs> you're just going as hard as you can go. You don't know any better. And, uh, I mean, I wasn't holding anybody up, but I think he, he come up to me like the next week or something said, man, I was glad you was in between yeah. and me and the next guy. That was awesome. Keep it back. <laughs> Do, who do you watch? Do you watch racing? Uh, do you watch NASCAR racing much? And if you do, like, who, who's got your eye? Which driver's got your eye these days? Gosh, you know. Uh, yeah, do you watch me races? Um, you can be honest. I don't watch them like I used to. Right. So, uh, I don't know, you know. Who do you pull for? Who's the guy? Outside, I'm sure you pull for the HMS team, you know, just yeah. company-wise for them yeah, to do well. Right. Is there yeah. any particular drivers that you really appreciate or respect? Well, I'm in a fantasy racing deal. <laughs> really? Yeah. So things I did. You know, I think it's Terry does fantasy. <laughs> so it kind of switches around a little bit from week to week. Oh, <laughs> you millennial. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think one of the guys I think that is so talented is uh, Kyle Larson. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's really talented. You know, watch him run, and it's like, 
man, how does he do that? Sometimes, you know, and of course, you know, the guys like Harvick and Truex and Kyle Busch are all, you know, top of their game. But uh, that Larson, he's uh, he. I think he gets more out of a car than anybody, yeah. you know, as far as his car might not be, you know, quite as good as some of the others, but well, he tries to make up for it. And, uh, he's fun to watch, I think. So there's a lot of the guys are really good, though, you know. The Hendrick guys, uh, you know, Bowman, I think he's good. Yeah. I he's, think he's really he's, good. So, anyway. so yeah, Rick Henry, what about Junior Johnson? You drove for him probably four or five years, three, maybe? Three years. Three years? Yep, yep. All right. I mean, I, like, one of the most uh, compelling characters, I think, in NASCAR history. Uh, what was that like, and do you have any good Junior Johnson stories? <laughs> it was uh, it was good. It was a good experience. Uh, we kind of went from – that's when Junior went from two cars down to one car. And uh, he's trying he went to from Chevy to Ford too. And he went to Chevy to Ford one year. So a lot of changes going on there. But finished third in the points one year and fourth one year. Really disappointed we didn't win a championship because I felt like we should have. You know, mm-hmm. we had a pretty good, uh, pretty good seasons. We just never got a championship like we should have. Yeah. yeah, I was always surprised that his program and organization remained as competitive as it did, considering his approach. You know, his approach was so old school. And how he ran his company and his business, but it stayed competitive pretty much through you know until he decided that he was done. I mean, even through uh, because I mean he's racing as an owner in the fifties and then sixties and seventies. You would think that that approach, which I don't think it changed a whole lot. You would think that approach would sort of it, it's not timeless, right? So I was kind of surprised at how competitive. Yeah, the technology were. technology changes, you know, and yeah. you're trying to. Do the do things the same, same way, way for so long. It's gotta be so hard. Right? And uh, he had some good people that worked there, you yeah. know, and uh, had good equipment. You know, they spent the money. Had great great engines and always had good cars and stuff like that. But technology, you know, finally caught up. Yeah, right. catches up with you. Yeah. And uh, with the shocks and things like that and setups and the, the computer stuff that uh, they were starting to do, you know, and and they kind of were probably behind on that stuff. But. I got you. Yeah. One last thing I want to ask you before we move on. Bill Elliott's going to run an Xfinity race this weekend, I think, right? Uh, is that yeah. this weekend? Come we up. run no. America this weekend now. Road America? No, it's we're Bristol. Bristol. Okay, yeah, Bristol, then Road America. Weekend. Next weekend. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to run, and I was – No. I, yeah, I know the answer to that. I was <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and tell you no right now. So. <laughs> yeah. So, well, okay, the fans will want to know the answer to that. But I, already, I already knew what it was. I uh, I always wondered when I was getting ready to retire, I, I would text Del Jarrett all the time and say, man, I'm going to come talk to you. I'm going to come up there. We're going to sit down. I'm going to talk to you. You're going to tell me everything I need to know about retiring and all that good stuff. And I never did carve that time out. But I've always been curious, and I know every, every guy's different. When you approached the decision or the time to retire, how – challenging or how simple or what was that experience like when you got to that point in your career and you're like you know what I think it's time for me to do something else and once you made that decision was it was it like seamless was it did you have this one year was the first year kind of weird you know I've always been kind of curious how people go through that yeah it was weird yeah what year uh, do you actually constitute as the year making the retirement decision because you had several uh, years of just doing three or four races a year I I retired like three times yeah yeah. yeah. (laughs) that retirement tour stretched out over about eight or nine years right yeah 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 (laughs) okay so back back to his question though like when you finally made that decision uh you know it was really funny i was going to retire and then i went to pocono and we finished uh like third or something i just really ran good and so i was going to retire at the end of the year and so i went to the shop the next week and i was talking to rick i said hey i just i don't think i want to retire i still got it and uh (laughs) so then we ran a limited schedule for two years at a hendrick motorsports that's right and uh 
and so that was a good way for me to, you know, kind of like cold turkey. Don't really just quit all at once, but able to step away and just run a limited schedule. And I like that. I like that a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. You and Mark Martin, yeah, y'all really liked that. Uh, I was time thing. That right? blew me away though that Mark did the limited, then came back for full time for yeah. right. a few years. Right. Because you know, the right. commitment is so the commitment is such a commitment. Man. It, it, had it wore you out the the full time. Oh time. my! It, I'll tell you what. It's hard. You know, you know, it, to to do it every weekend to be on on the road, and you know, you leave on a Thursday and get home on a Sunday night, and just kind of a grind, you know. And then you have sponsor commitments during the week, you know, and so it's it kind of kind of catches up with you, I think. You so, know, the season is so long too. Go back to your point. Did you already tell Rick that you were retiring, and then changed your mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, and he was receptive to that. Yeah. He wasn't like, dude. I, I mean, what are we, what am I going to do, right? I mean, no. Yeah. No. He's all right. Let's see what we can do. So how did they? I, I don't remember. How did they? Uh, so we ran an, another yeah. car, the forty-four car. Mm-hmm. The forty-four yeah. Ke- Kellogg's was even yep. the sponsor yep. of it. Yep. That's yeah. right. We had. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So was that? That was four and a half cars then. Right? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So then you went and did that. Uh, the, the other deal that the Texas uh, sponsor is it DLP? What, what was that? Uh, no, I did that at the same time when I was doing the limited deal. With, okay, with Hendrick, you were doing that at the same time. Yeah, Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Called me, Hall of Fame Racing, and I was at my place in Texas, and I was standing out in my backyard because my phone won't work in the house, and so I, they called me and wanted to know if I'd drive their car like five races for them, and so I ran the road course, the two road courses for them. So I, I hung up and I thought, now how cool was that? <laughs> I was just standing here talking to Roger Stahlbeck and Troy Aikman on the phone, you know, <laughs> both of them together. Right. And uh, but I did that the same time I was running the limited schedule with the, the Hendrick car. So. So you were running. So what made you finally say enough? Not even the four race, five race schedule uh, a year. Like I'm done. Well, I got to looking around the garage area, and most of the guys I was racing against were younger than than my kids. <laughs> so I said, probably time to quit. <laughs> I gotcha. Do you That's miss awesome. it? Not really. Yeah. What do you miss? You know, I miss being around the people. Yes. I miss being around the people and the guys on your team, you know, when you hang out with team members and, you know, it's just fun, you know, yeah. and uh, that's, that's the, that to me, that's the toughest part mm. is not being around those guys every weekend and the kind of the competitive nature of everybody, you know, and it's just, uh, that was always fun. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I said. I, that's him. The, yeah. You know, I can deal with not being in the car and, and when I watch the guys race, it's hard to race you know it's hard in the car it's hot it's uncomfortable yeah. and you you're you don't really enjoy it you, you're not out there like you know skipping a, you know and singing along it's you're putting so much pressure on yourself to compete and it's almost a miserable existence most of the time sometimes when it you're is winning. yeah <laughs> and so uh you know i can do without that now i get to see the guys race every weekend as a broadcaster and i i go yep that's they're that's hard to do i, I respect them and and it's not a not an easy job but the people like you said being in the industry people everybody in the garage everybody that works for nascar all the media you get to become friends with those people that's right yeah it's so hard to just not see them so i'm lucky i feel fortunate i get to go to the track and i have a reason to be there and i didn't want to not go to the track but i didn't know how to go without a purpose you know so right will you go to another nascar race uh will you go to a track i know you're going to go to too tough to tame won't you uh no i'm I'm gonna go to bristol Bristol this weekend. weekend yep Really? Yep. All right. Of course we knew that. What's That's your obligation? Right? <laughs> you got any, you got Yo, any obligations there? What are you there? going for? Uh, I don't know. The Speedway called me. Wanted me to know if I'd come up there and do something Friday night and Saturday. Solid. So, some hospitality stuff. 
Yeah. How many times? What's the over-under on how many times the rattle of the cage will come up? <laughs> Ten times? Twenty times, you think? Uh, a couple times, People I'm sure. People remember yep. it, just yep. like it was yesterday. You'd That's rather right. them remember the 95 win. Yeah, <laughs> really, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got yeah. ranked in that one, too, but at least I won. He won that one. But yeah. the, the 99 one, though, like, the the thing that was so special, I was I just started, you know, as a cocky little camera guy and the thing i'll never forget is the fact that it was like man it was like you know the, the deal happens Earnhardt climbs out in victory lane there's some booze and and then it's like we're waiting we i run to your trailer my brother and i and we're going to interview you and we had to wait a little while you did a cool down which is smart yeah and still 15 20 minutes afterwards the fans were still there yeah and it was packed and it was raucous and you just don't see that in many sports, not let alone our sport. Last where twenty we, minutes after a race, it's like rah. last time we saw that was uh, Martinsville last year. Yes, I mean, and it was insane. It felt like the nineties. Yeah, you talk about what we're missing or what's missing. That's it. Like when we were at Martinsville after that race with Denny and with Chase. The, what down with Denny, Denny Chase. Yeah, I'm sitting there going, "Wow, this is just like the nineties, <laughs> man. This is exactly what the sport was like in that moment. That energy from the crowd." I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it that much. I didn't like Dad getting booed. I could tell he was uncomfortable with everything that had happened. I thought Terry was a gentleman and a professional in how he handled it in his interview. Yeah, um, you would have been. So you would have run in the Xfinity race the day before. It was awkward. Yeah. You know, as a son, it's like just like when you're all in a car in Xfinity series and one of your guys goes and wrecks somebody. You're like, oh, oh darn, you know. Yeah. Now I'm kind of guilty by association here. <laughs> it it was uh it was a weird deal. But I remember y'all talking about having to, you know, y'all were going to go hunting or something and that not working out. And I didn't all know all the details. But can, can you settle something for me about this hunting? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because, because to be honest with you, and, and I've said this to a few people, it seems like everybody went hunting with Dale Earnhardt. And, and, and I'm like, I guarantee you, everybody you meet, if they knew Dale Earnhardt, oh, they, they, they were have. hunting buddies with him. Everybody was a hunting buddy with Dale Earnhardt. How many hunting buddies did Dale Earnhardt actually have? I don't know. And, and, and you, but you were one of them. And, and was he like Rambo in the woods? I mean, like the, I've been hearing all these tales. He could really, he could just wrestle a bear down with his bare hands and this stuff. I mean, what what was Dale Earnhardt like? Uh, Punch as a out hunter? a deer? Not really. I was just you know a normal guy. You know, I mean, uh, I remember out there at uh, we're in New Mexico at this hunting little tent thing, and that a we, we rode these horses in for like four hours to this camp thing. Wow! And these guys had like <laughs> yeah fourteen pack mules. They hauled all this stuff in. Had the camp set up. What? And the guy cooked. The guy we had a cook out there, and the guy was cooking. He was nervous, and uh, he said, "Man, I'm, I'm just nervous." I said, "Why are you nervous?" He said, "Well, I've never been around Dale before." I said, "Well, you don't have to worry about anything about doing anything wrong because you can tell you how to do it everything anyhow." <laughs> so. Would he do that to you? Would he do that to you? Seriously, because that's what also you hear, Dale. You sit there. You sit oh, there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Tell, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he'd tell everybody. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, yeah. yeah. I was just I was riding in the car with Jeff Burton after the race and Watkins Glen, and we're we're riding to the airport, and he's like telling me this whole story about how when Jeff when Jeff and his wife were going to the Bahamas, Dad had basically met him at his bus met him at his bus on Saturday night, laying in the floor of his bus on Saturday night, right reading out the itinerary that Dad had prepared for him for his whole week. <laughs> you're gonna eat at this place. You're gonna call this guy. You're gonna have a reservation for this place. This you're gonna see this guy at the dock, and he's gonna help you get your boat over to this marina. And uh, it was just he was always that way. Yeah, like a funny story. After after the Bristol deal, the next spring we were down in the Bahamas, and we were in a motor yacht, and we pulled into this marina, right? And uh, there was your dad's boat. 
his uh, Sunday money mm-hmm. and uh, and the Intimidator. And so we pulled in there and parked. And uh, so I walked over and I think the guy's name was Terry, Captain Terry, I yep, think. Captain Terry. And uh, so I walked over and talked to him. And he got on the phone and uh, he called your dad and told him that, that we were there. And they were, he was coming down the next day and something came up and he couldn't come down for another day. And so we were leaving and going to some some other island and so he said we all take the, the fishing boat out and go fishing that's okay so we got on the fishing boat and we went out there and went fishing and so we're coming back in and uh i told the guy i said uh, hey pull up there to the dock and I'll, you know put fuel back in it i'll get the fuel and he looked at me and he said that's okay i think he owes you that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah. okay yeah <laughs> it's on the house yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it <laughs> Well, that's good. That was the easy trade-off. You that was lost easy, the car yeah. out of that and lost the race, but you didn't have to pay for his fuel. I didn't you have got to buy a fishing trip out of right. it. There you go. Got a fishing trip. Was the fishing any good? No, we didn't catch a thing. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't catch nothing. Fishing trip. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's great. That's good stuff. Heck, yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yes, sir. Thanks a lot. Enjoyed it. It's been yes, a pleasure. Has. Thank yeah. you so much, Terry. My pleasure. My first legend. I think you are the first legend. Oh, really? You'll be the last You're legend. the first legend. Yeah. Awesome. No, seriously, you might have we had a Nos- well, NASCAR not Hall of Famer? Le- we've not had a Hall of Famer on yet. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, I feel privileged. Thank you. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do an Exalta Race Center update. This is your Exalta Race Center update. I'm Matthew Dillner. NASCAR's Truck Series kicked off a big weekend in Michigan on Saturday in grand fashion. Brett Moffitt just edged points leader Johnny Sauter across the line to pick up his fourth win of the season. Also on Saturday, the Xfinity Series had a barn burner at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. Junior Motorsports driver Justin Allgaier pulled a spin-in win as he recovered from a mid-race incident, bolted on four fresh Goodyear tires with nine laps to go, and charged past Austin Sindrick to pick up his third win of 2018. On Sunday, Kevin Harvick notched Cup Series win number seven in dominant fashion in the Irish Hills of Michigan. The Bakersfield, California driver won both stages, the race, and led 108 of 200 laps. Now to the short tracks. Sam Mayer was the only JRM late model driver competing this week. The Wisconsin native rolled two top ten finishes in twin features at Virginia's South Boston Speedway. Up next in the NASCAR world is a big weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway. Wheel and Modifieds in trucks on Thursday, Xfinity on Friday, and the Cup Cars under the lights Saturday night, making a big ticket in Tennessee. This has been your Exalta Race Center update. Exalta is the official paint partner of NASCAR, developing, manufacturing, and supplying coatings to all types of vehicles and industrial applications. For more on Exalta, please visit ExaltaCS.com. All right, so let's talk about this race weekend. We had a pretty busy weekend. Got the Xfinity guys racing. One. Mid-Ohio, Justin yeah. Algar is like Ron Hornaday on the restarts uh, all of a sudden. <laughs> Listen, one of the best restarts I've seen. I mean, that guy passed I mean, passed three cars on a road course. Everybody talks about the pit call to take tires. That was great. But Algar made the most of those tires yeah. on that restart. Yes. I was so proud of him. Yeah, I mean, Animal. You, you can't waste a lot of time. And he had been doing that all day long from the very drop of the green flag. He was using that keyhole as an opportunity to go to the outside and get on, you know, get guys trying to get to the bottom and jacking everybody up on the bottom, he would just shoot to outside and take as many spots as he could. And he'd have the drive-off and the preferred line coming on exit of that keyhole. So um, he was doing that all day, kept continuing to do that. One time it, that, sent, that sent him out in the dirt, almost uh, caused some issues because it covered the grill with grass, but he was able to get that off and, uh, under the next caution. I saw him uh, you know, do this before. This The restart stuff, we've seen it before. He won Chicago last year that way on an incredible restart. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy that's just... 
he never is out of it in his own mind. That's what I like about it. Tenacious. I mean, you guys have been saying this. Well, the thing about it is, is he'll, you know, you race all day long and you get, you get it sort of ingrained in your mind. Like I got a fifth place car, whatever. I got a third place car. That, That guy's the fastest. He is the fastest. And this guy's faster than me. And X guy's faster. This is, this is the car I got. And sometimes, a lot of times, you will almost convince yourself that it's not your day. Yeah, it's Austin Center's yep. day in that case, yep. right? He had him covered. It's but that day. is never Justin Allgaier's attitude, ever. Mm. Even when he's been riding 10th all day, if he's got a late restart, he's got an opportunity. That's his, that's his mentality. That is um, that's something like you're born with. That's a personality trait. That's not something you learn. That's not something that – that's just a tr- – that's a real awesome, freaking awesome trait to have in a race car driver. We certainly appreciate it because we won several races – at least two that I just mentioned, because of it. Thank you, Justin. Uh, also, I want to give a shout-out to Jason Burdett and that whole team. They give him great race cars. Yes, they do. That seven car is so consistent across the board, week in, week out, for the last several years, even before Justin was here. Yep. Jason Burdett has done an incredible job as a crew chief at Junior Motorsports. So Jason Burdett, long-time long uh, NASCAR guy, been in the sport, been in cup forever, was the car chief of yours. You give him the break to be a crew chief. I know he'd done a crew chiefing with a couple of things, but this was his biggest break. Boy, he made the most of it. Jason Burdett used to work on the 88 quality care car for Dale Jarrett. Dale Jarrett, he went with Dale Jarrett to Michael Waltrip Racing. When they got rid of their crew chief at one particular point in the season, Jason Burdett actually became the intern crew chief for the remainder of the season for Dale Jarrett in the Cup Series when J- when they were at Michael Waltrip. When Dale Jarrett, I believe, retired, I think Jason went to Hendrick Motorsports and has been there with Steve Letard ever since. I, I may have a few of the details wrong, but he's my point is, is that he's had a very, very long career. He's, long career. He's been around the sport for an extremely long time. He's really, really level-headed, never gets up tight, never gets loud, never gets worked up. Great guy to have on top of pit box when things aren't going right or, or you know things kind of get hectic. He's a guy that's going to keep it together. He's proves, proven himself. Yeah, right? he certainly has proven himself. So at this point, like you know, uh, knowing why you started Junior Motorsports and knowing that you like to give people chances to 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 make a name for themselves and whatever it is they want to do. What is your ambitions now for Jason Burdett? Is it to keep him here and have him continue doing it? Is it to get <laughs> go send him on to Cup? I mean, it's so hard when you want them to to go chase their dreams and yet they're so good here. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean there's part of you doesn't want to see them leave because you know that they they are improving the company, you know that they are a direct uh part of the performance, but that's the tr- that's the nature of our business is that we have a lot of turnover and usually that means those guys are getting better opportunities. We don't have turnover because we have such poor employees. We have turnover because they are getting graduated into the next level. And so I look at that as as cool as a race win. If somebody called up and said, we want to hire Jason for a cup car crew chief next year, Jason's excited, wants to do it, that's that's like winning a race Yeah, for us, for me anyways. Um, <laughs> Everybody else thinks it. It's like, no, this sucks. Uh, right. I mean, and, and there part of me knows that. Well, it goes both ways because look at Travis Mack. You know, yeah. uh, Travis Mack's, you know, back here at Junior Motorsports, yeah. you know, after his – brief stint over there at the 95 car and it's you know him getting let go over there turns out to be a big win for it's this a organization blessing for us Huge. yeah and there's a couple guys in that office or in that shop that are that are getting second chances you know or people that we believe in that someone else didn't believe in so that's what i you know we like about this 
opportunity in the Xfinity Series, people say, hey, you ever going to go cup racing? Well, we can't do that in cup racing. We can't do, we can't work. Our business model will not work in the cup series. We'd have to change that. We, yeah. We'd no longer be a place where people could come to graduate up to the next level. So we love that uh, opportunity, and w- that's why we do it. So anyways, back to Algar. Excited for that. Harvick wins the uh, cup race at Michigan. Pretty awesome. Keelan and Victor Lane. Keelan riding in the car. Keelan so cool. waving the checker flag. That was amazing. I mean, if you're a father, if you got to know that that was pretty special for that kid. Pretty special for the father. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, 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 I maintain the position. I like to keep the kids out of the cars and out of Victory Lanes, and I've got hit in the face with everybody's kids in Victory Lanes and driver intros, and it feels like a big picnic at the big after church picnic. But what? But I'm glad that everybody else likes it. You don't like kids in Victory Lane? Damn, I'm glad. I no. hope you didn't see any other pictures of me and my dad when I when he was winning races and <laughs> yeah. I was in Victory Lane with him as a kid. I, 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 d- I never it. told you this, Dale, but it always bothered me. It always <laughs> <laughs> my God. Uh, Mike, you know, the, Mike you know, the kid hater. You, you were off in the corner. No, you weren't trying to take like, The hell I, I was? Yeah, you weren't. Well, I was front and center. He was sitting there with his Jimmy Means hat. I was front and center, man. <laughs> yeah. I, t- I just feel like I, I kind of wish – that this was stayed with the drivers. I mean, listen, I ain't going to name any names, but you got drivers that are bringing their pets to Victory Lane, for Christ's sake. That is out of control. Let me just say that he's won seven races this year. This is the first time that we've seen this. Keelan asked him, hey, Dad, if you win, I want to ride in the car. Hey, Dad, if you win, I want to get the flag. This isn't something that happens every single time Harvick wins. Uh, Yeah, I tell him there's a rental car with his name on it, and he can take the flag with us. I'm, look, it, I, right. I am the to only one that feels that way. To, to yeah, I'm the only own. one that feels that way. It was a. Uh, I had a lot of fun calling the race. You know, it, it, Harvick dominated it. We had another dominant win, much like Kentucky. But still, there's a lot of interesting things yeah. that happened during the race. The Truex, yeah. yeah. And the 13 car, Ty, Ty Dillon. I believe it was a battery that he hit. I think it was. It is. Looking at now, the replay. So, oh, I, you know it is. It, you said it is. You seen do. some evidence. Uh, well, I talked to Landon Castle today. And? and Well, I was listening to the race still, on MRN. That's still, that's, hold, that hold, did, hold on, I'm getting to it. And then they were saying that the battery came out of Landon Castle's. That's what we heard. Rusty Wallace was saying that it was a battery, yeah. a backup battery. And they thought it came out of Landon Castle's. Landon was here today. And uh, I said, hey, did that battery come out of your car? And he's like, no, no. It, they, it came out of the, uh, the 99. His teammate. Okay. So one of those cars. Anyhow, we have the video okay. of it uh, coming right. out of a, a particular car. Nice. Uh, it was incredible that it that it done so much damage, but also that the car just goes straight into the corner. I'm like, he it didn't even look. I mean, he's he turning no the wheel, control. but it didn't look like the wheels were turning. It was so weird mm-hmm. that he just had no control and hit the, hit the wall so hard. A ton. Again, yeah, pretty exciting race. We had uh, a lot of other things going on outside of the race. That was great. We had other things going on this weekend. We had a watch party. Watch us watch NASCAR. Yeah. We did this thing with Xfinity where Big people numbers. could, yeah, two point five million views. But <laughs> crazy! If you tuned in for one minute, you were counted as a view. We all know that. So okay. if you want to, you know, before everybody trolls us, we know that. <laughs> um, the um, I want to be getting trolled. Yeah, still a great number. You know, Xfinity can 
can be excited about that. I don't know whether we'll do it again. I don't know whether it was fun. I was really tired. Honestly, I didn't sleep well the night before, and I wanted to go to bed. Uh, so the whole time we're doing that watch party, you I was dying to go to sleep. Yeah. You and would have if it would have been Well, else. as soon as we got up out of there, Justin wins the race. Okay, great. This is over. Thanks ha- thanks for everybody watching. I went to the bus, put on pajamas, got in bed, and went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> at five, right. at five thirty, six dinner. o'clock. Put yeah. your pajamas on go to bed. Damn right. right. <laughs> I went to sleep. So I'm sorry if I was boring or didn't talk enough. It wasn't as funny as the other guys. But well, you're, you say that as if you've heard that. Uh, yeah, say there, that there was some people who were critical of me being so quiet and boring. There was one thing I would have done different, and that was, I, you know, you had those screens on everywhere. Yeah. Um, I assumed that, that those were going to be showing the race. So at least if if you're watching, you guys, uh, there should be a race that, that, box. That you can at least see what you're reacting to. Oh yeah, I agree with that. Maybe that's what they'll do next time. Is as for the viewer, the viewer sees us and the race that's going right. on, and so he can they can go. You know, if they're not watching the race, they at least have it all there together. It was a uh, you know, it was just an idea. Hey, would people like this? We tried it. Other than being tired, what, did you like it or no? I like getting together with everybody and watching the race. You if, people, if they want to film it and put it on social, online, whatever. I'm, I like doing it. I like the act, activity of us sitting around and watching it. Did uh, you it feel? Was, I Go felt ahead. uncomfortable, extremely yeah. uncomfortable watching my car win in front of all these people yeah. as I'm an NBC employee. And so, why is that? Uh. I, you know, it's just because it's a fine line. I can't. I When I'm working the booth, I cannot cheer for my car, right? You know, and I, 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 I mentally try to be unbiased, right. right? And I'm thinking about that as I'm a broadcaster for the Xfinity series. I want to do those Xfinity series broadcasts because I want to. I want the opportunity to get better, but I also know that I'm an owner, and I and I have to be careful how you know how I present that to the people that are viewing. In that case, I felt like, well, I'm still working for NBC, but now I'm weird. I cannot cheer. I'm not right. supposed to cheer. I'm supposed to be off the clock, but you're not off the clock. There's yeah. no way you're off I the don't clock. Think you're it's being good. on camera, yeah, right? I don't think it's good to peop- for people to see both sides of me there. Yeah. You know? Okay. I hear you. This week, this week, we're going to be a watch party, and I'm going to, yeah, go Algar. And then next week, I'm going to be in the booth, and we're going to be like that that nine car. That was a big mistake, you know. I I I can't do both, (laughs) right? right? I can't be both. But if people like it, we'll do it. You were you kind of lived the whole weekend outside of a comfort zone, right? Say Friday, we went into the infield. Fans, uh, we went and surprised some fans. That was pretty fun. Um, So what did you? Oh, oh, you didn't see that? No. NASCAR America on Friday. Yeah. We went into the infield and walked up on campsites and said, "Hey, how's it going?" And we just had randomly. Our, yeah, we had our mics and it was me, Jeff Burton, Cop Hetty. The first one we walked up on, this guy had this bar and he'd been bringing it for like 19 years and and from Wisconsin, Green Bay back Packers fan. He had the bar fully stocked, all kinds of people out there just serving people. That was pretty fun to see. Like I I want to go out there and see the creative things that fans do to make the weekend fun and a guy building a bar and serving other people that are just random strangers is creative uh there were guys out there with big giant grills and piles of food and just making food on the regular just constantly making food and uh you're like who's gonna eat this oh the people just come by they just come by and get a plate all weekend oh okay you know just random strangers yeah yeah all this will get eaten that's cool yeah seeing that kind of creativity People making bars and tarps and tarp buildings and so forth. You know, this just tent city that kind of comes together for the weekend and gets taken back down. 
seeing the ingenuity that people have inside these old buses and things that they've been driving to the racetrack for a year. You know, uh, and they're big on the buses, uh, yeah. school buses, at old school Michigan, buses, old school buses. And Michigan is they're one cheap. of the most underrated infields, I think, on the circuit because yeah. everybody talks about Talladega and whatever. Michigan and Watkins Glen, Watkins now, they'll Glen. throw down in yeah. those infields now. Pack Watkins. them out, throw down every campsite we went to. There was like a, a three hundred to five hundred empty pile, you know, can of empty uh, pile of empty beer cans. Just. <laughs> Every single campsite. Yeah. And it was Friday. <laughs> so. Yeah. Getting after it. Yeah. There is just some, there's some really cool stuff there. If you're into, you know, if you're kind of like a picker or there's some old pop-ups like this one 1974 pop-up, uh, toter, you know, like the one that you yeah, have. Yeah. What is this? Yeah. 1974. Yeah. Wow, that's, yeah, that's and it looked it. I mean, it was it wasn't like a brand new, you know, restore, right? Um, <laughs> it, it and there was like this guy in his pedal car that he had just made that week and put a little number nine on it, like Benny <laughs> Hamlin or like uh, not Benny Chase Hamlin, Chase Elliott. There's just the the creativity. Yeah, I got you. It's fun, and and obviously the fans are just freaking so excited to be there. They they got their favorites and they're wanting to talk racing, and so that was pretty cool. Kyle Petty's the perfect person to take out there. He's all you know. He's a, he's a lover of the history, knows the history well, knows exactly what to ask, and he's gonna be curious about the same things I'm curious about. So it was fun listening to him interact with the fans and the questions and things that he would get out of them. They got these things called Fan Friday that they're doing at some of the racetracks for for the NBC NASCAR America Friday show. So we'll be doing that again throughout the rest of the season. We'll see how that goes. I think it's time to do an ad. All right. I mean, honestly, with ZipRecruiter coming back. Yeah. Not in a million years, Dale. Across a million galaxies. <laughs> what have I, I have ever thought that we'd get a trilogy. <laughs> a trilogy. Out of the ZipRecruiter deal. Yeah. Can you believe it? <laughs> you, you feel so good about it, you made it a little theatrical to this week. Yeah. ZipRecruiter's back for the trilogy. This yeah. is it. ZipRecruiter, if you don't know, a lot of everybody doesn't listen to every <laughs> single show, but we've had this will be the third time we've had ZipRecruiter on the show as, as a sponsor. And the first time we botched it completely, the second time we didn't do any better. <laughs> third time's a charm. And they're back again. So I don't know what it is about these guys, but we love them. ZipRecruiter is... <laughs> Zip Recruiter. I've said yeah, it he's right. pretty good. I've said Three it right. times. Yeah, we're, we're three in a row right now. It's very hard to say. <laughs> so it is basically a job site. You go on there and you just put it on your resume. Like, hey, I want, I want. here's my resume. I'm looking for work. If Mike's looking for somebody to fill a role in this company. And I am. And he is. Which you've used Zip Recruiter to do, to look for people that can fill this position. So go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. That helps us. Absolutely. That helps us get ZipRecruiter excited about being back on the show again. ZipRecruiter will send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. They don't just stop right there. With a powerful matching technology, they scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. Right? Mike, how's that experience been going? Well, so this is the thing with ZipRecruiter. So, like, we have a a, a couple of positions we're going to be hiring for, and I posted one this week uh, or this past week, and it sends me the, the, the people that they think I need. I don't have to go sit there and weed through a hundred different applications, applications and, and resumes. resumes. It's like, this is what I'm looking for. These are the traits I need out of this person. This is what I'm going to pay them. Are you satisfied with the resumes that you've been sent? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know how we're going to pare it down to just one, to be honest with you, because there's a lot of qualified people. You know what? There's a lot of people that tell us, they told me, I don't know, you're not going to find it. There's nobody good out there anymore. 
please. I'm telling you, they're looking in the wrong place. There's plenty of good people out there. We're going to have a hard time trying to get down to just one. I have been very uh, pleased with the way that's working, and uh, I got my work cut out for me to try to find uh, the, the, the perfect fit for it. Well, with results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest-rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. (laughs) ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. I think you got it. Yeah. (laughs) ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Nailed it! Nailed it! (laughs) (laughs) Wow! I'm going to Disneyland. My gosh! (laughs) That's how you do an ad! That's how you do it. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Dale Jr. gets a raise. They're, they probably won't we come. Give you a raise. They probably won't come back now because we did it so well. <laughs> I know, right? It's time for Ask Junior. I got a question. You have a question for me? Hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag Ask Junior. All right, Ask Junior people, of course, chiming in on social media using the hashtag Ask Junior. Uh, Larry Roberts, who uh, has been bugging me for like this autograph show sheet. I don't know if I'm going to give you that, but I'm going to give you this. The number one question on uh, Ask Junior. If you could interview two people from the sports world, all across sports, okay. who would it be? All across sports. I would interview. Mm. I would probably interview. Oh, my gosh. Dead or alive? Or live, right? Gotta be uh, alive. Let's go alive. I'm Tiger Woods. Okay. And. Probably Charles Barkley, maybe. I think he'd be a fun interview. Can I answer one? Yeah. Yeah, why not? I'm going Floyd Mayweather, and I'm going that there's a guy named Alex Honnold, who is is the one, he climbs those mountains. He climbs, if you'll listen, he climbs mountains with no safety thing, and he climbs up walls, like like with his fingers. Okay. Really? And he puts them in the cracks, and he goes up these big mountains. That's interesting. Yes. Oh, dude, it's crazy. Me, I'm narrow-minded. I'm a racing guy. I want to interview. uh, Yeah. I interviewed him in like 90. Myers Brothers. No. (laughs) (laughs) I talk to him every week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Junior Miller. It was like 99 the last Uh, time I spoke to him about Alex Zanardi, who I think is the most interesting athlete um, I've ever met in my entire life. But. All right, let's roll on. Of course. Uh, okay, from the uh, from the book of awkward. Let's go to these uh, this line of questioning. Uh, Chris Lehman started this out, and I saw this question. I'm like, I can't use it. But then another question came up. He said, "Do you believe in Sasquatch?" Then all of a sudden, Amelda says, "It's like they know each other." Have you ever had an encounter with the supernatural, ghosts, Bigfoot, etc.? All right. I don't believe in Bigfoot. Not that there wasn't some type of creature like that at some point in the existence of the Earth, but currently today there is probably unlikely that there is a Bigfoot out there in the woods. Debunked. I think that it's fun to daydream or yeah, have a little you know have TV shows and all this all these things. It's mm. fun to imagine. Mm-hmm. All right, it's fun to let the imagination go. And sometimes I'm you know sometimes I'm guilty as everybody of watching TV shows that are looking for Sasquatch. I don't know what that means, but no, I don't. I don't think he's out there. But I watch the shows. <laughs> no, okay. good and dang well at the end, you still will not have found Sasquatch. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm probably not going to find out first on the show. It's probably going right. to come on. It's probably going to be a headline on, <laughs> on the news. national Breaking news. news. Right. Yeah. That they have found this guy. That's a good point. But I'll still watch the show. I hear you. Just because the shows are typically pretty fun. Uh, have I had a, an encounter with a ghost? I do believe in paranoia. 
activity. Wait, and paranormal. Paranoia. I mean, we've had some paranoia on the show before. <laughs> paranormal. Tell me about your paranoia experiences. <laughs> That's so bad. That's oh my awesome. God. All right. I do believe in that stuff. I think that our I think that our personalities and and our souls have so much. Uh, we're mu- we're so much more than just blood vessels and bones and muscle. You know. Yeah. And I feel like that some it, it's quite possible that in certain situations, when we die, our bodies die, that maybe there's a spirit capable of continuing on. And in certain situations, not all the time, but um, so. You know, haunted haunted places. Sure, I believe that there's quite possibly some haunted places in this. I don't think I've ever encountered a spirit or seen a ghost with my own eyes. Have you? Yeah, man. You have Pocono, 1999, okay. working for it, TNN. Of course, it was at a racetrack. It was no, yeah, it was, it was a, no. Lee, it was yeah. the Pocono Manor Hotel, which is kind of known for you being saw haunted. The ghost. Did not see the ghost. Hold on, but but I I I was I had the TV on. You heard a noise. And I'm in the bathroom. All of a sudden, the TV turns off. I yep. go back, turn it back on. Same thing happens over and over. Finally, I take the batteries out of the remote. The remote's stuck. Blah blah blah. We're fine. God, next Baloney. door's remote's doing. I'm in the I'm in the darn bed. Just and that- right after that happens, I'm laying in the bed. It's at night, and the light in the closet goes on. Yeah. I get up to go turn it off, and it turns off. So I'm like, all right. It turns off on the way to turning it yes. off. Yes. I ain't gonna lie. This sounds like paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> this is paranoia activity. This is <laughs> this is what this is. You, you, you were right the first time. Paranoia experience. <laughs> All right. Well, I I might have you know I might have seen some paranoia activity, but I've never seen a ghost. You know what I thought you were going to say? What you don't you remember? You told Mike Wallace in that interview you got pulled out of a car. All right. Okay. True. Okay. 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 I forgot mean, about that. All right. Yeah. Okay. This is a little dark, a little morbid, and heavy, but. When and yeah, I don't care whatever people want to think they can think yeah. they think I'm a freaking uh, uh, you know a, a loony uh, whatever. When I wrecked in the Corvette in 2004 at Sonoma, it caught fire. Somebody pulled me out of that car, and I thought that it was a corner worker, and because I felt somebody put their hands under my armpits and pull me out of the car, I didn't get out. I don't remember. I, I don't have any memory of myself climbing out of the car. And I remember sort of going, moving, like in motion, like going to, to lean forward and try to climb out of the car. And then something grabbed me under the armpits, pulled me up over the door bars, and then let go of me. And I fell to the ground. And, laid, and there's pictures of me laying on the ground next to the car. I know when I got to the hospital, I was like, who pulled me out of the car? Like, who, what, what, I got to say, you know, thanks to this person. Because it was a hand, you know, it was physical hands grabbing me. I felt it. And uh, uh, there was nobody there. So You were telling that to Steve Chris. Steve yeah. Chris said, you got out of the car yourself, Dale. I was like, bull <laughs> He's like, you got out yourself. I'm like, no, I didn't, man. Somebody pulled me out. I remember them pulling me out. And he's like, this is in the hospital when yeah. I woke up. Because they gave me so much morphine, I passed out for like 12 hours. I woke up and I had McDonald's sitting in front of me. Because Steve Chris knew that I probably want something to eat. And I was like, man, who was that guy to pull me out? I got to say, you know, after a couple of hours, it kind of, I started to remember all that stuff. And I'm like, I need to talk to that guy, man. That's the freaking guy I need to say thanks. And he's mm-hmm. like, nobody pulled you out. What are you talking about? So, yeah, that would probably be the closest thing that ever, you know, as far as anything. <laughs> the closest thing. I'd say, no, no I'd say that's, I'd say that's, a, that's pretty, better than per, my darn light yeah, remote control. It, his remote control experience. If it's real, <laughs> I, you know, I just, uh, you know, 
Well, it is real. Somebody pulled you out. All right. You say it. Yep. There All you right. go. Ask Junior question. You got you an answer that you didn't think. We're going to skip. Lamus. Lamus. Who was it? Lamus. Lamo. Linus. What was his name? Layman. 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 No, no, no. Layman. Uh, Chris Layman and Thanks, Chris um, Amelda. You said this is going to be. I thought it was funny because you said this is an awkward question from yeah. a guy named Layman. <laughs> <laughs> real, real quick. Uh, uh, yeah, we have okay. one more, and our, our friends at Nationwide uh, are bringing us this one uh, from the Nationwide Children's Hospital. Uh, we have a special Ask Junior oh. question. It's our nationwide Children's Hospital Ask Junior question of the week. Uh, check it out. Hey, Dale. Um, I want to know how old you are and what's the fastest you went in a car. Um, I am how old I am now. <laughs> I'll be 44 in October. The, fi- the fastest I ever went in a car was probably 220 at um, the end of the straightaway at Michigan when they repaved that track. We at, we would average about two oh four, I think. Maybe it was two oh one, I don't know, but we were doing two twenty at the end of the straightaway. Gosh almighty. Yeah. I bet that you felt every mile per fun. hour in that. It was fun. Was it? It makes Scary. me think about like how fast we could go if we went unrestricted at Talladega. How fast do you think? I mean two forty like probably. Wow. Really? Cool. It's like Indy car kind of stuff. It'd be man. in the thirties. Yeah. Elha there bringing the questions. Great, great question. I, I, I look forward to doing the Nationwide Children's Hospital. Yeah. Uh, Some of such week. great kids up there. You, yeah. you, I've only been up there once, and I only got to meet a few of them uh, shooting you yeah. two years ago or whatever doing it. And you meet some of those kids up there, and they're so, so full of energy and just happy to, to see you that's and right. ask questions. So that's kind of cool to do this. Yeah. We'll look forward to that. All right. You want to go white flag? White flag. Put it out. Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag right there. White flag. All right, this will be a quick one. The auction for the 36 pairs of race shoes, skeleton gloves, signed by the respective driver that wore them and Dale Jr. ends this Wednesday, August 15th, which, by the way, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, that could be tomorrow as you're listening to this, (laughs) or it might have actually already passed. Uh, If you are listening to this when Dillner puts this out immediately, this would be a Tuesday, you have just a little bit of time. Get to nascarfoundation.org slash Dale Jr. and bid on your favorite pair of gloves. All proceeds benefit the Dale and Amy Earnhardt Fund at Nationwide Children's Hospital. Dale, real quick, you were on social media this past week kind of surprised about what Chase Elliott's gloves had got up to. And I know you were talking to Chase and Mr. Hendrick about it. Like, it was like $10,000 or something? Yeah, I mean, I was I was uh, bidding myself. Oh, there, were you? There for a little while. Yeah, I want the gloves pretty bad, but I feel almost – I feel bad, get, you know, trying to bid against the guy who really deserves them, and that's Chase. If it ends up, if it ends up with Chase or Rick, that'll probably be where they go, and it'll be pretty cool. So and Chase and Rick are actually bidding on them. I'm pretty sure that they may be bidding against each other, or they have at least. God help the person that bids against Rick Hendrick, because let me tell you something. <laughs> he starts calling the bank. I mean, when he wants yeah. something at an auction, my, my God, he walks out with it. Oh, Chris Lehman there. He's not going to win. A, he might not win that one. Also, uh, there was some conversation on social media this weekend about those gloves and being affordable next year when we do this, which we're going to do this next year. The gloves are going to start at $20 a pair. Okay. All right? They started at 300 this week, and that is not – the wheelhouse for a lot of these race fans to yeah. be able to afford that. So we're going to start them at 20 bucks a pair next year. There you go. The fans will have an opportunity to to bid on some of the gloves if they can, you know. And, and you know, wherever they go, they go. It's for a good cause, but we're going to definitely start them much cheaper next year. Dale Jr.'s book, Racing to the Finish, is the perfect gift for any Earnhardt fan. Uh, so go to dalejr.com forward slash book to pre-order your copy. That, again, is at dalejr.com forward slash book. Catch the Dale Jr. Download TV show on Thursdays 
at 5.30 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. We won't actually have a podcast or a TV show next week. We're taking the week off next week, uh, but then we'll be back uh, the week after that. So uh, that's what's up, guys. Good show. Terry Labonte was here. Man, feels good. The feels Iceman. good. The Iceman. Enjoy your week. See you. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.